Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I embrace the opportunity to release that which is no longer serving me. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And we're sitting on the couch today, sort of on the couch, we're in Jane's office today, with a My very red office. Very red love heart office with a very special guest. And for those of you who are loyal, regular listeners, you'll know that we've only had probably less than a handful of guests in 143 episodes because we're quite picky. Um, but of course, as the universe would have it, they've now positioned Jane's new office next to somebody that we just had to interview immediately (laughs) because he's completely part of the tribe and totally gets it and is bringing amazing amazing healing in a very upgraded different way in a way that I know many of our listeners are going to understand and want to know more about I've already referred two people to Craig and only met him about two weeks ago I've done the same thing as well (laughs) I know know. you should have seen us we were like children jumping up and down in a lolly shop so excited feeling like the universe had given us this a massive upgrade that we were hanging out with the cool kids in the schoolyard (laughs) (laughs) so we've got Craig Homine with us today Craig is a clinical hypnotherapist and trainer and he's been doing it for his for 15 years he's here in Adelaide um you can find him through Google just by punching his name in he's on Facebook he's 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 just he's around he works however also in England and in America and from what Craig mentioned when I first met him I know that you were trained under somebody very interesting and significant in the states which maybe you'd like to tell us a little bit a bit about yeah, well, introduction. I've been trained by a lot of very interesting people in the states um generally when I first started doing this I was originally interested mainly in like the stage type comedy sort of area of oh, theatre. Okay, entertainment. That's, that's really what I was into. And it would make people take their clothes off and run around like chickens. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Actually, the real reason I wanted to do it was because I saw a guy in a nightclub where I was working um, get a girl to just continually buy him beers. Oh, okay, so. manipulation! Fun. And and I kind of went, yeah, I was pretty young. I thought that'd be really great. I'd love to be able to do that. Uh, there wasn't really anywhere you could learn in Australia back in those days, or, or not that I was aware of. The internet was pretty young, so you couldn't do a lot of research. And so I would send away for books and learn from books, but the stage stuff. And as luck have it, had it, at some point, I received a book which I didn't order. Ah, you never so, sent it your way. Yeah, so the guy that I was ordering these books from in New York City sent me the wrong book. And it turned out to be a textbook on how to use hypnosis for therapy. And it turned out to be a very famous textbook written by a very famous hypnotist. And I looked at it and I just went, you know, I'm not interested in this. This isn't what I ordered. And so I rang up the guy that sent me the book and he said, look, just keep it. There's no point sending it back. I'll send you what you wanted, but maybe have a read through it because it's pretty interesting. And so I did. And every page that I turned, it kind of just resonated with me. And all of a sudden I got this, this urge to use hypnosis and not for fun but to use it within therapy. And not so much to use it in the way that a lot of hypnotherapists use it, which is more like a guided meditation, you know, affirmations, um, all that sort of thing. Um, what this guy was saying was that feelings always overrode your thought patterns. So the feelings were actually at the core of everything. So it's like saying your brain might think it's in charge, but your body's actually running the show. Yeah. Yeah, Your emotions. So so pretty much when you think about it, when we are little fetuses, little babies in the womb, like we don't have thoughts. 
Okay, I mean, there might be things like past lives and all that sort of stuff. But in reality, we probably don't have thoughts when we're in the womb. But we do have feelings. You know, we're attached to our mother. We can feel what's going through mum. If mum's going through a hard time, we can feel it. Feelings are going to come first. That's the way we're programmed. And once we're born and we're growing up, we are also programmed through feelings. You know, our parents are going to bring us up in a way that um, they're going to either make us feel comfortable or uncomfortable about things in order for us to do stuff. And we're going to do the same to them. So this guy sort of, he had his theories with it, but I've kind of grabbed it and gone with a whole lot of other mentors and different people and taken a whole lot of stuff from different areas and sort of perfected what we're doing. So instead of looking at the conscious mind changing the way you feel by through affirmations, which I know you do affirmations, I've got a kind of a different sort of idea about them. Sometimes I think affirmations can actually make you feel worse. Yes, I agree with that, absolutely. We've done some episodes where we've talked about Mm -hmm. how your words have to be very, very specific, Mm -hmm. very carefully worded for it to have benefit, have positive benefit. Yeah, I kind of believe that if an affirmation um, resonates with a core belief, it will make that core belief stronger and work. If you just had a few things that have gone wrong in your life, you know, we can change it around. But if your core belief is completely different to the affirmation, it's just going to bump up against it, be rejected, and make you feel worse for not being able to achieve it. So yes. what we're looking, or what I look at doing, is going into the subconscious, which is really just the feeling part of you, and changing the feeling. And let's forget about the thoughts. Let's just delete the feeling, change that. You know, because I'm finding that most people, their problems, whether it be... Um, through if it's just simple anxiety or depression that's pretty simple to get rid of but like we're talking about things like even like chronic diseases like asthma and things like that a lot of them can actually have an emotional component to it well, we're very much of the school well, I believe they all do they all do <laughs> that, it, it, that disease is dis-ease and, and dis-ease is caused yeah. through emotions so yeah. that every illness that we, mm-hmm. we have is the root of it is emotion. The body has caused it. Well, I've kind, of, I've kind of found that to be sort of true. When you take a person and I, what I do is I amplify the symptom or I amplify the feeling or whatever you want to call it and I ask their mind to take me to the reason that it's there. And the This is so cool. Shoot them back to wherever it started and at that point I can reprogram it. And most of the time, the people when we go back will go to conscious memories but then all of a sudden they'll just get this surprise look on their face that goes, oh, and they will get it. Right. Yeah, you know, they'll just have like this this moment of enlightenment where all of a sudden their mind has gone, oh my God, I'm creating this myself, I've made a big mistake, I'm going to let it go. Let me ask something at this juncture though, Craig. You said people don't need to believe in hypnotism in order to be hypnotised, quote unquote. Yeah. And you also said you're not a typical kind of you are getting sleepy. Yeah, no, so, so what happens to get people to the point where they can access memories that their subconscious is buried? Well, you do it all the time naturally anyway. Okay, I like mean, how do you that, get them there is what I'm asking. All right, well, let's, let's put it this way. Let's say um, you're driving in your car and this song, this old song comes up, mm-hmm. okay, and it's something from your past and straight away your mind instantly takes you back to a time that has to do with that song. You don't think about it, you don't try it, all of a sudden you're there, maybe with that special person or something in your childhood or whatever, something you haven't thought about for a long time, that song has taken you back there. Now you're driving, you're fully functioning and everything, but your mind is there. 
you're feeling all the emotions and everything. This works the same way. So what I will do is I'll, someone will come in and they will say, yeah, I'm feeling really down, I've had four relationships in the last four years and I just can't make any of them work and blah, blah, blah. I can build that emotion up and tell their mind to follow it. And I just keep following it back until it gets to a point where there is an end. See, I find in my work the problem is that the people with the most trauma can't remember their childhood. So I always refer them to kinesiologists who say they don't need to know what it is, what the body mm -hmm. remembers, and I use muscle testing yep. to enter that. So what are you doing there? Well, the memory will still bring it up, like with what I'm doing. Even when they can't remember their yes. childhood, so they've blocked it out? Yeah, because I work so fast that I'm going faster than the conscious mind. Gotcha. Thing. Oh, lovely. Yeah, love so it. Getting, you're producing just the right state that they, they do it without overthinking it too much and they get back I to generally it. shock them. Okay, I'll, I'll send them in with a shock of some description so they're not ready for it. And then I will speak very fast and I will just move them so quickly that their conscious mind is so confused that it can't keep up with what we're doing. I love that. So it sort of blurts out the truth is what That's what yeah. I need because my mind's so strong yeah. that I need it, it'll that to it'll clear, out clear it. Like I'll, I will do physical things as well. Like I might lift their hands up and drop them and tell them to hold their hands out, tap them on the forehead, do all sorts of things. So their mind is so busy trying to go, what the hell's going on? Yeah. That things just come up. Like for a, a, an interesting one that I had the other day, which anybody who's been um, to my Facebook page will see the testimonial that he put up there for me. This guy came in, um, when he first came in, he was so frail, he's in his 30s, and he had bowel cancer, lung cancer, and liver cancer, from memory. And his mum brought him in because he couldn't walk, and he couldn't even get comfortable in the chair, he was just in so much pain. And the doctors had said to him, yeah, look, basically make plans, you know, you haven't got long to go. He had two young kids, and he really came to me just to get, um, to be able to sort of cope with the anxiety and... Pain relief or something like that? Or yeah, just... it wasn't even pain relief, because I don't, I don't do pain relief. Yeah. I, I believe that the pain is there because of something. Mm -hmm. And so I will regress off the pain to find out what's causing the pain. Once we let go of that emotional reason, well then the pain normally disappears. So with him, I actually looked at him and thought, you know, poor guy, I don't really think he has got long to go. And just made a decision on the spot that, okay, well, let's just regress and see what comes up. Nothing to lose, hey? <laughs> we, got no we had nothing to lose. I talked to him and he agreed to it. So he said, look, that's fine, we'll, we'll do that because that we could still release the anxiety, we could still get some closure and everything for him. And to cut a long story short, um, in that first session, and it is pretty rare to do it in the first session, he had the epiphany. He went back so fast and so rapidly and put together the pattern that he'd been creating. And the pattern was this. I won't go into his life story because he actually put his name on the... on the Right, yeah, keep him private. I'm, I'm going to keep yeah. it private. Yeah. But we went through a whole lot of stuff. There's a whole lot of stuff happening now. His cancer started as a symptom now because of some traumatic events, okay? And then just got worse and worse and worse. But in the regression, we found out that he had this pattern ever since he was an 18-month-old baby or even smaller than that, that whenever he was in a position where he had to take responsibility or whenever he was in a position where he needed love, the best way for him to get it was to get sick. Ah. Uh, okay, so wow. he would be a little baby, and I said to him... Um, on the count of zero, you are going to be at a scene situation on a van. 
will be a happy scene, situational event when you were just a little boy. Because I was trying to pump up some happy feelings at this point. Mm. And his mind took him to a time when he was really, really sick and he was really, really small. And I said to him, I asked you to go to a happy event, why are we here? You know, if you're feeling so sick, and it was similar symptoms to what he was feeling. He said, it is happy because my dad's hugging me. Bingo. And when he got that, it was like his face just changed. We did a whole lot of work around it to release. We did a whole lot of work around different people in his life that needed to be let go, different events. But once he got that, now he had the will to live again. All of a sudden, his mind went, you know what? I don't have to let go. I don't have to die. I don't have to just give up anymore. Once he got that feeling, he went away. And for that week afterwards, everyone thought he was going to die because he was so sick. And he said in his mind, he knew that wasn't the case. He was purging. He was getting rid of everything. Everything was coming up and out. And his whole family were all upset. They thought that was the end for him. And he said he knew 100% he was healing. So anyway, six to eight weeks later or something, I get this text message from him that he wanted to come in for another session. And in my mind, I'm going, oh, yeah, he's going to be even worse because he wasn't even expected to make it that long. I didn't recognise him when he came in the office. Like, he looked completely normal. He basically sat in the couch and I saw him and, I mean, excuse me, I was like, fuck, are you kidding me? Like, this is not the same person. And he just jumped up out of the couch, shook my hand, said, hi, Craig, how are you going? I said, oh, how are you going? Great. Went into my office, got myself together because I'm, I, I have seen healings before, but never so rapid, so fast, such a quick turnaround. And when someone's really ready, they're really ready to, right, Craig? And they're that's ready. where the miracle shifts happen. Yeah. Instant spontaneous remissions and things like that, everything. Yeah. So basically that's what happened to him. He's, his doctor said that um, his bloods are all back to normal, everything's running smoothly. They, they, wow. they think that he is on the path to complete recovery, whereas before they never thought that. They never thought he had a chance of that. So, of, so course, of course, the doctors have said to him, you know, um, don't you know, give your hopes up too much. <laughs> the so, white coats would say that. So, so what we've had to do is put in a little barrier in there that says, okay, he's not going to accept that suggestion, that he's just going to go for it and he's going to do all the things he needs to do. Uh, he's been doing a lot of stuff. Okay? He's been doing conventional medicine, he's been doing natural, natural therapies, and he's been doing what I did with him as well. So it's not... I did this. It is like a combination of everything. When you take care of the emotional um, causes of problems, whether it be disease or anything else, or even just patterns in your life, it's not enough to just take care of that, okay? But that helps a big deal. Like if you're doing conventional medicine, your body's going to have a much better chance of it working because you've no longer got the stress. You've no longer got this negative program that says you don't deserve to live. What you've got is a will to live, um, a feeling of true love. When I say true love, I'm not talking about um, you know, this thing that we talk about as love in the fairy tales. Um, we're talking about like unconditional love for yourself, which most of us don't actually really know. Okay. And this leads us into your new sort of exploration in a renegade sense, doesn't mm. it, Craig? Because yeah. I know that you've referenced working with addicts and people, for example, talking mm. about heroin addictions. Yeah, yeah. They're chasing that kind of euphoria. Mm. They're chasing that love. Can yeah. you tell us a bit about what you're doing there? Yeah, I can. But look, first, before I go into into that, mm. just so you get an idea of, of what we're talking about, I'm always chasing love. Okay? that I'm chasing the person's... Um, 
perception of love. Love is the answer, you think, Craig, to, to all healing? Yeah, is it, it is. Yeah. But the trouble is, everybody's giving themselves these affirmations, particularly self-help people. Uh, they love themselves. And we all know we have to find that we love ourselves or love our family or love everyone else. But the biggest problem is, from when we're tiny, even in the womb, uh, love is different for everybody and love may not necessarily be a good feeling. Mm. All right, so you, you think if you grow up in a family where mum and dad want you to be perfect and they're always criticising and judging you and every time you might have done a great job of everything that their mum and dad don't give you full, complete love unless you get it perfect, whenever you want to give yourself love as an adult, you're looking for perfectionism. Mm. I actually had that distorted thing where um, I was 10 years old and I worked out that love equals approval. Mm. And so that actually started my journey being an extrovert and being, you know, in entertainment. Yeah. And the audience is never big enough, as yeah, you know. No, never it. Work. it doesn't work. Yeah, and, so and I love that you're getting down to that root. What does What is love to that individual yeah. person? And we, don't, and we don't necessarily tell them that, but that's what I'm looking you're for. You're looking for I'm the looking, distortion. I'm looking to change it. Yeah. So if they're giving themselves criticism and judgment yeah. all the time that they're trying to create love for themselves, I mean, they're always going to be criticising and judging themselves. You know, I've had clients that have come in that just their version of love was punishment. You know, because as they, were, as they were growing up, their parents just punished them all the time, anytime anything didn't go right. And so when they're trying to love themselves and all their relationships and nothing is working, they're punishing themselves more and more and more. You know, instead of being able just to let it go and realise that love is a nice feeling, it's not that. We can consciously think that, we all know that, but we want this to be an automatic feeling program that gets changed at the core level so we don't have to think it, it just is automatic. It's the same when you do weight loss or when you get to the addictions and things. It's not a matter of having to try and put a bandit on it and think it away. If we have to think it away, if we have to work on it, eventually the subconscious is going to come up, make the feeling stronger and override it. We want it to be natural. Okay? It has to be natural. So when you talk about the addictions, at some point, they have found that this drug or whatever they're using, the alcohol, food, whatever... Nicotine, yeah, corn, anything, anything, right? ...has helped them with something. It's been a solution to some feeling that keeps coming up. It's been their way of numbing it, okay? Uh, taking that away from a person can sometimes make their life worse. Okay, so if somebody comes in and, they're, and they've got an alcohol problem, like they, it's really common for a lot of people. They'll come in and... And alcohol, normally as we're growing up, not with everybody, is associated with fun times. Okay? Yeah. So normally when you first... Especially start, in Australia. Yeah. But normally when you first start drinking, it's fun times. You're, in, you're a teenager, 18 or whatever, and, and you're partying and you're having a good time. It's usually your first um, experiences of sex and everything around alcohol. It's good. There are other people who it's not so good. You know, family have been alcoholics and therefore even the thought of alcohol really just, you know, gives them really bad feelings. But for most of us, it is a good feeling. Whenever we're in a bad place and we take alcohol and we use it, or let's say we've been stressed at work and we come home and we have a glass of wine, the subconscious feels that it's working, it's helping you feel better. It's just like that song on the radio that you said, mm. you know, driving down the street, the song mm. comes on and makes you feel good about the past. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. As soon as it gets that little um, connection that this is helping you with a problem and you've done it a few times... Whenever you've got that problem or that feeling, the subconscious will automatically give you a craving for that substance, okay, so that it, you can help yourself. And if you try to consciously stop it, 
a lot of the time your subconscious will make the craving stronger because it goes, I know this will work, I know this will work, do it, do it, do it. Mm. And then you have it, that proves it right because you feel better and it, it makes the feeling stronger. So people, they start with say one glass of wine for stress and before you know it, you're having a bottle a night. Mm. Then they'll come in to me and say they want to stop drinking. Okay, which is easy to stop a person drinking if they don't really have any reason that they're using it. If it's just a habit. For most people it's not just a habit, even if they think it is. So we have to, whether it's drink, drugs, anything else, we have to find out what is the emotion that is driving the behaviour, regress off the emotion. I nearly always regress, even though there's a lot of people who disagree with me, but to me it works. Regress off the emotion, find where it started, take it away, reframe it so that the memories no longer contain those emotions and people can just automatically just make a conscious choice to go off it. Sounds wonderful. Like it sounds so effortless and easy well, for the client oh, to be able look, to participate. I yeah, I wouldn't no? say it's effortless and easy. No, mm. it takes a lot of strength. And to be honest, it's like anything, it's not 100%. Mm. And it's not for everybody. Some, it takes a lot of strength for a person sometimes to, to go to where we need to go. Um, my purpose is... So a willingness to be able to be yeah. exposed and yeah, vulnerable. There's a, lot of people, and there's a lot of people that had a lot of trauma in their lives growing up. Yeah, a lot of terrible things have happened to some really nice people and now they're functioning and they're dealing with it. They've been to therapy and they're dealing with it but they've still got this underlying stuff in there. Mm. And a lot of them will come in and go, I don't want to go there. I don't want to have to do this. And I completely understand that. It's just too painful. Yeah. 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 And, and How... not only that, sorry, not only that, it's... A lot of talk therapists have made them talk about it for so much. Mm. Okay, just reinforced it, reinforced it, reinforced it. They're actually reliving it in their head all the time. Yeah, which is the law of vibration, which of course means that you just attract more of that shit. Yeah. So, we're, so what about past lives? How much? How, do you see that play out much in in healing people's emotional trauma? Yeah, look, it's it's everybody's different, but it's not uncommon for a person for me to go, okay, go to the first event of significance that has to do with the problem. And we go through a number of conscious ones that they remember, then all of a sudden we're in ones that, yeah, they don't remember. It is not uncommon for them to go into the womb, and it's not uncommon for them to go further back, because my wording is always, basically on the count of zero, your mind will take you back to the very first event. Because I'm asking, if this is the first event, they will normally go no, and you go, great, okay, I'm going to count from five back to one, and you go to the first event, five, four, three, two, one, snap my fingers, we'll tap them on the head or whatever, and they go further back. I'm always looking for the very first event. So sometimes that goes to a past life. And if it goes to a past life, I just treat it as I would as if it was in this life and clear it. And then we move back up again into this life and make sure it's clear in this life. There's no point clearing a past life and then getting into this life and, it's, and you still feel terrible. Okay, so we're going to use that as a lesson on how to clear stuff in this life. Was your personal belief system prepared for what you were about to find out when you... you remember, you came into this as a... Let's do a stage show, and then... Mm. You just get girls to buy me beers for yeah. free. Yeah. <laughs> and then it suddenly goes into therapy and healing and spirituality and all this crazy stuff. Yeah. Were you like this before, Craig? No. No, no not So at you all. just had to go with it? I had to go with it. And it's opened you up? Well, it took a while. Yeah. All right, see, what, ha what happened is I was still very much in the clinical model and still very much because the people I'd learnt off were like that. Until I had a chance, um, another book that I really love called Answer Cancer, and it was written by a guy named Stephen Parkhill. And although I don't agree with everything he says, because he's a born-again Christian and he's very much into that, uh, he had a similar journey to me. 
in that he started doing this purely for sales improvement. He was a sales manager. And he started seeing that when he was working with people, that not only were they their sales improving, all of a sudden they were their cocaine habit would disappear. Or all of a sudden the asthma would disappear. Or all of a sudden the wife would go, I don't know what's going on with him. Like before he was so distant and now he's a loving husband and, and he's with the kids and he's having time with everybody and he's he's lost all this weight. And so Stephen would go, this is really crazy, you know, like I haven't been focusing on these things and these people have been healing using this method. I wonder what happened if I focused on it. So he started focusing on the drug addictions, he started focusing on different things, and he was getting really good results. Then he found that people were saying, you know what, I had um, a breast, a lump in my breast, and we've just been working on my depression and, and everything, and now the lump's gone. And he would go, wonder what would happen if we focused on the actual physical symptoms of different things. And so then he would go, he was wording instead of saying um, that we're going to focus on the feeling of depression or the feeling of anxiety or the feeling of not being good enough, he would then go, well, we're going to just focus on the lump in your breast. And as we do, your mind takes you back to the real reason it's there. And he would do that and started getting really good results with people turning it around. And so he wrote a book called Answer Cancer. And of course, everybody in, in the States and the way the States is, and probably here as well, is put him down so much and made his life so hard that he kind of had to go underground because they're all saying he's preying on vulnerable people oh, and, yes. and all that. But in reality, he was getting some really good results with this. And so I went over to the States to try and learn from him. And he was at a point where he really wasn't teaching anybody. And I think he'd just gone, you know what, I just don't want to do this anymore. I'm sick of everybody... Yeah, coming down on me um, but he had taught a lot of people at that point so I found out some of the people that he had taught and I contacted them and they were they were running this thing called a, a boot camp in Utah in the Rocky Mountains and where you go up there for a couple of weeks and all us hypnotists would all work on each other and I went up there with this straight clinical idea of how hypnosis works these guys are all very spiritual and I had my very first spiritual awakening up there. So, Cool place to be. Yeah, so we're up in the mountains and this guy hypnotises me and tells me to go to the reason why I was feeling the way I was. Um, when I went, I went to this place of euphoria, which had, to me, no boundaries. I was like a... I described it as, as like I was a ball of energy floating ball of love. And... When you're in hypnosis, you're not off in some altered state. Okay, I'm, I'm just, I feel the same as I do now. And so I'm saying to the hypnotist, this is bullshit. Now, I don't believe in this. This is crap. This has got nothing to do with anything. And he just said, look, I didn't ask you what you believe. Just tell me, report what's, what's happening. And I was having an in-between lives experience. And in that in-between lives experience, I saw my mum and dad dancing below me in this dance hall really, really young, and I was watching them dance. And I followed them outside as they were holding hands and into a car, and I saw myself be... Conceived! Oh, that's so cool! That is so cool. <laughs> no, nobody wants to see their mum and dad do it. Too much do the deed. No, no, it wasn't pleasant. Uh, but anyway, after that... All of a sudden, it was like a vacuum. I just felt myself get sucked into somewhere. And I was inside my mum. I was experiencing all her emotions, all her feelings. 
okay, all the feelings of, oh my god, you know, like, um, what have I done? Uh, she was out of wedlock, obviously. Yeah, yeah, and Catholic. Catholic, oh, and, ouch. And um, I knew that she was doing this because she kind of just wanted to escape and get married. She's only 17, and, and all, this, all this other stuff that was going on. That emotion was the exact same emotion that I was having as an adult. Alright, it's slightly different, but it was the same. So that emotion was created inside of mum at that moment in me, and it became a very familiar, normal way of feeling. Because mum's emotions didn't change as she got older and as she was bringing me up. They were the same, and she reinforced it in me, it became normal, it was my version of love. Um, then we moved up through a whole lot of stuff, and I got rid of it. Okay, I, I got rid of that thing that was holding me back. And because of that experience up there, I now know where to go. I now know what to look for. I, I now have a full belief in those things because I've experienced it. Not only that, when we finished it, I said to the guy that was doing it and the people that were watching, oh yeah, that was fun, I just made that up. Yeah, like this is just a fantasy that's come out of my head. Uh, I don't believe in this stuff. It's, but it was fun, yeah, beautiful. And they said, why don't you ring your parents up and ask, ask them about it? Right, okay, yeah, I'll do that. I'm fully expecting to ring them up and then to say, no, that's not the case. Okay. Uh, I rang up. The first person that I spoke to was my mum, who was silent on the other end of the phone. Uh, everything that I had said, including the dress she was wearing, the music that was playing, the type of car, everything was completely true. I love it. Uh, then love it. she said, I think you better speak to your dad. I'm not really the one who should answer these questions. And I spoke to dad. Dad laughed and he just said, um, wasn't everybody conceived like that back in those days? <laughs> and we had a bit of a laugh about it, but every, everything was confirmed. And I was never told that because, like, they got married very shortly after that because mum was pregnant and nobody was meant to know and, and I was never told her and all, everything. How did it make you feel to realise that there was this weird world then? You know, you've just had this confirmed. It was strange. It was strange. It was kind of a bit of a conflicting feeling between science and the other world. But I think it was a good thing for me because I've got the experience in both sides. Yeah. So I can see the, the straight scientific evidence-based stuff as well as now the metaphysical. And because of that, I've started to gravitate towards people who had the belief systems. You know, I ended up meeting lots of psychics that I really liked, um, whereas before I would never have had anything to do with them. I would have just gone, you know, woo-woo, garbage. Kind yeah, of thing. now he's stuck with one in the office next yeah. door. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> Three of us, really. But, but how, is, how is this for um, a coincidence? While I'm in Utah, because at this point, I'm still working a job, okay? I'm doing this, but I'm doing it part-time. I'm still working a job. I'm really loving... It, but I'm not really getting anywhere. I'm just um, doing it and spending a lot of money on learning, a lot of money on travelling the world, you know, finding things out and experimenting. My wife is getting pretty sick of this, okay, because she's at home while I'm travelling and we've got three kids. And Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> so while I'm away, she makes this thing that says, well, if he's spending so much money on this, he's going to come back and he's going to work and he's going to do this professionally. So while I'm away, she goes and rents me an office. <laughs> and the place that she picked to rent me an office was in a metaphysical shop 
with a lady that owns it who is a reasonably well-known psychic. And I had no choice. I had to come in and I had to work. And the first person, the first client was this woman because she said, I'm not going to rent you this office unless, first of all, you prove to me that you're good enough to be in my establishment. And so that's what I did. We went into the office. I had, was just on a high from the trip that I'd been on and she had a whole lot of stuff in her that needed to be cleared. And she had been to many, many hypnotherapists and done past lives and things, but it was more of a fantasy escape where they relax you and you kind of make it up and you've got this guided imagery that you're taking. Whereas I just went in and said to her basically, all right, just push down on my hand. I'm going to say sleep. When I say sleep, your mind just takes you. Said it, shocked her in, and we did some really good work. Lots of tears coming up, all sorts of things. And she got some really profound changes that day. And that kind of then got me into this other side because because of her I'm getting introduced more to more metaphysical things and I think the combination of the two of them together is very very powerful yeah and Craig we have listeners all over the world and they're all going to be listening going but we want Craig and we can't have him because he's in Adelaide so if people are wanting to go and try hypnotism to remove their deep-seated emotions and traumas and blocks and things like that can you just give people general advice? If you're looking for a hypnotist, look for this or look for that. What, what can you recommend? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it's one of those ones that is really hard to say because people can have fantastic websites, you know, that make them look fantastic, and they may not be. And there are people that have really terrible websites, but they could be really good. And then they're and the other way around as well. Um, What's I, the difference between hypnotism and hypnotism? <laughs> there's, there's, there's all different sorts of it, okay? There's, you've got the medical model that, that is taught to doctors and um, psychiatrists, psychologists, and even a lot of hypnotherapists. And then you've got other models as well. Really, it is extremely hard. You, know, you can only really tell by going and meeting the person and risking that they may not be any good. Maybe have a bit of a talk to them about your belief systems and see what they say. I'd be looking at um, somebody who you'd ask them, okay, well, what's, what do you do? Do you just lay me back in a chair, relax me and talk to me? And if they say, yeah, that's kind of what it's like, well, then I'd probably be saying, well, you know what, you can just get on YouTube and download a guided meditation and probably listen to that and it'll do the same thing. You want somebody who's actually connected to you, guiding you, focused on you, focused on what you're feeling, using those feelings as the the way to enter the subconscious and see what they're attached to. Uh, I'm the secretary of the AACHP, which is Australian Association of Clinical Hypnotherapy and Psychotherapy. Uh, that's not a bad place to start, would be a, a local professional association that is recognised and accredited. In other words, somebody that's, that says, yes, they have the qualifications, they have the experience, because you've got to be doing it for so many years before you get professional qualifications. We have to update our skills, like you've got to do um, professional educational points. You've got a supervisor, you've got a police check, you've got insurance, all those things. That would be a good place to start, whether it be that or, or another professional organisation. That does not, however, ensure that the person is competent. Mm. You're teaching, though, aren't you? You're teaching lots of students. I, yeah, I teach other hypnotherapists. 
So what I do is, is I'll get... Do you have a referral list of different areas that... Yeah, I do. So they can hit you up and... They can hit me up and I can tell them who I, who in what part of the world or what city right. in, in Australia... Right, you could recommend. I could recommend people that, that work in a similar way that I do. And what about fears? Because people commonly have a lot of fears and pop culture fears and Hollywood fears and stuff about, about hypnotism. Mm-hmm. What do you want to say on that count to people? As in taking control of them? Maybe yeah, like having them buy your beers at a pub. <laughs> Well, things like that. Yeah, yeah look, this, <laughs> look the, the standard line that, that most people are told and they tell their clients is that the hypnotist can't control you. Okay, now that's, that, is, that is true, but there are, is a very small, small percentage of the population where it's not quite so true. And their job, they're, they're normally the ones that have the most problems because they're so suggestible that they take suggestions from everybody. You know, if their mother tells them that they're, um, they're hopeless and they'll never amount to anything, they've taken that suggestion, they acted out. So there is a small, certain percentage of people that are very highly suggestible whether that's true, but for most of us, no. Okay, the hypnotist doesn't control you at all. With people who come to me, what I'm saying to them is that when they're coming to me, it's not about me controlling them. They're coming to me because they're out of control. Okay? They are already in that trance. They are, their subconscious is making them act out or feel certain things that they have no conscious control over. They want to have conscious control over it, but they can't do it. So to me, they're already in that trance. That's what I use to find. So I'm not controlling it. What I'm doing is I'm giving them control back. So we want to break that and we want to give them conscious Self-empowerment. Control. Yep. So I would say to them, when they're worried about the swinging of the watch and things like that, go and see a stage hypnosis show, okay? Go and see one. I've been on the stage at the Fringe recently. I got called up to some guy... And there's a video kicking out there somewhere on YouTube yeah. where I was doing some strange things. Yeah. But I don't know how much of it was me doing it as a people pleaser and being on a stage. Exactly. Versus. Right. So what So what happens if you were up there? I'm assuming that might have been Isaac Lerman that you're talking yes. about. Yes. Yeah. And Isaac's a friend of mine. Um, He's very good. Yeah. What that is, if you look at the stage hypnotist and the way they work, is they are weeding out the people who are not suggestible. Yeah, he'll get a certain amount up on stage, he'll do some tests yes. with them, and as they're yes, not he did, doing... Yes, he didn't, he said, see you yeah, later, see you later. See you later, see you mm. later, see you later, mm. until he's left with a core group of people who are doing what he's asking them. Well, I did it with Katrina Huskus, who we've mentioned before, who's the life-life practitioner, mm. and uh, we were both up on stage, yeah. and we didn't get weeded out. Yeah. We were very, very susceptible. Do you think you are highly suggestible, Jane? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. Even though I'm not naive or gullible... But, and fiery but have, a look at your yeah. but have a look at your experience up there you're still consciously there now if yes. Isaac had said to you okay Jane what we're going to do now is you are going to be the world's greatest pole dancer you can take all your clothes off in front of all these people and dance around a pole yeah if that is not something that you would normally do you would have just gone no way I'm not doing that true yeah yeah correct okay if he had said to you that you're going to do anything that was against what you wanted to do you would have easily just said no yeah uh, but the things that he said to you that, you know, people were laughing and, and people... Yeah, doing you, go, you go with it. You go with it, okay? Yeah. But the experience is, and because I've been up doing things like that as well, is that you do actually do what you're told. Yes. Okay? Because it's a pressurised situation. It's not even a pressurised situation. I've been, I've been up on stage and they've asked me to do things and I knew I could snap out of it and say no. But at the same time, as long as I'm fully invested in that and wanting to do it, it becomes a real experience. Mm. And that goes for anything. And like I was talking yeah. to you guys before we did this another time, was how I can create hypnotic drugs. I was actually going to ask about that because that was okay. quite exciting. I think our listeners okay. would love to hear about and this. And that, that also came from stage experience. 
okay, of somebody creating a hypnotic, say, drunk effect or drug effect or even an orgasm effect, which they do in Vegas on stage shows. <laughs> yes. And the thing is, you are actually feeling it. So, yeah, it does mean you've got to buy into it, but you are feeling it. So I've been experimenting with hypnotic drugs, meaning that I'll administer a drug hypnotically that the, the client designs for themselves. Let's say it's something like a weight loss drug, one that dissolves away you know, the fat that they don't need, turns it into energy and ups their metabolism. Now, that sounds a bit weird, but in your mind, if you can create that and your mind actually believes it and buys into it, it will do it. Well, I think it's it's the placebo effect, isn't it? Like, you know, but, I've had different things that I've thought over time. Yeah, all right, I wish but, someone could just give me a pill and I didn't know but, it was but let's, let's just assume, sugar. Let's just assume that it's not a placebo. Let's just assume that your body actually takes that suggestion. It understands what you've told your mind to do, which is dissolve the fat, increase the metabolism, or, or remove the lump or whatever. Let's say your body actually knows how to do that. And, and this mind now triggers it and puts the T-cells in or, will, or does the mechanism that actually makes that happen. But you've done it hypnotically through a mind drug, not a real one. There's no side effects. There is absolutely no health issues with it. Mm. Okay? It's, I just had a moment when you said the body knows how to do that. It does. And that is that... Like I just had that moment of going, yes, I do know that all our bodies know how to heal themselves and how to return to beautiful, perfect functioning order. Yeah, it knows how to do it. Mm. Okay. And we forget that. We do forget it. But let's see in hypnosis that we can remind the subconscious automatic part of you that this is actually what you want it to do. Nice. Okay. And then it just does it automatically without you worrying about it. You know, if we could say, and we're just talking weight loss again because it's something surface, let's say um, all these people take all these drugs like Duramine and, and all these things that are so oh. bad for you, okay? Uh, what about if hypnotically you could just tell the person that their body's going to act as if, okay? And it will begin to up the metabolism, it will begin to increase the energy levels, it will begin to do whatever it needs to do naturally, you know, with no side effects. I mean, you've been experimenting with that in your private practice? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's only very new and it's very experimental. And the people I've used it on, they know it's experimental and they know it's new. And they all think it's pretty funny because it's actually a really weird feeling when you give it to somebody. Because I suggest the feeling of euphoria and I suggest good feelings in them. And so far, the results have been surprisingly good. But, yeah, the jury's still out. It's it's only been for a short time. and Ah, we know what the results goes. are going to be, Craig. It's not surprising at all. Yeah, going, we, comes out, we, will, we will check in with Craig again in the future and update you all, but, but we know the results well, are going to be amazing. I've also, I've also got a lot of my students doing it as well. And so we're, let's say 10 to 15 people are experimenting with this around Australia. Um, I see maybe 80 clients a month. Okay, so if we look at that times 10 to 15 people all experimenting with it, yeah, we're, going to get, we're going to get some good feedback. Yeah, okay? exactly. We're going to get feedback that's either going to go, you know what, it was great for a stage type of thing, it worked for a, for a couple of days or a week. And it wore off. And then it wore off and it, wasn't, it didn't really have the effect. Or we're going to get feedback that says, you know what, a lot of my clients are coming back and, and this is working. Now, we know that we're not going to get 100%. But even if we got 50%, yeah, it's worth that's it. still pretty good. Fantastic. Yeah, like, so we'll mm. see what happens. 
So there are some people that can't be hypnotised or it doesn't work for. Have you ever had to turn any, anyone away and say, look, this isn't working, go home? Or... <laughs> no. No. No, no, never. Interesting. Yeah, because it, my definition of hypnosis is probably different to what the general public believe. I'm back in the stage show definition here, aren't I? Yeah. With the whole, you, yeah. you're off the stage, you're off the stage, you're not susceptible, you're not susceptible. So it's yeah. anyone who's listening to this who's interested in that, even if they're quite blocked or stuck in their lives or have real rigidities around being able to, I don't know, allow or accept. Go or there. Yeah, to go, go there. there. Yeah, look, I love dealing with analytical people and people who are really stuck in their conscious mind. Uh, because when it finally clicks, it's irreversible. Because they've got such a strong conscious mind that they that nobody else can change it for them. Okay, that's that's what we like. Yes, they're harder to get there. Mm. Yeah, there's people who are really easy. There are people who are really hard. There are people who are great singers, and there are people who can't sing at all. We can all sing, but just at different aspects of it. But the person who is really into their analytical like conscious questioning life, everything you're doing in there yeah, like yeah. trying to almost beat you at it before you get there or they're yeah. trying to they're, they're, they're some of my favourite. Okay. Because I <laughs> I'm know, so booking in Craig. <laughs> yeah, but I know, I know that once I've got them and once we've made the change and once they've actually realised that even on a conscious level of what's happened, nobody changes their mind. It really sticks for it those people. It sticks for those people mm. because you, you can say to them well this is just garbage and they'll go no it's not. And nobody can change their mind. The suggestible person, they'll say, oh, that's just garbage. And they'll go, oh, is it? And can be swayed again. Right. Mm, right. Okay. So it's, there is a, a uh, the medical people say that not everyone can be hypnotised. I kind of don't believe that. I think we can all be hypnotised based on my definition of hypnosis, which is the conscious mind thinks and can't feel, and the subconscious mind feels and it's very illogical and doesn't really think. I just want to go to the shift from the conscious mind into the subconscious, change the feelings, and then consciously you can think whatever you want to think. Beautiful. Okay. Beautiful. Is there anything else you want to say today that you feel we've missed or that you think it's really important people should know? Or uh, Yeah, I would say I've talked a bit about regression and things like that. Uh, be very careful who you let regress you because if a person that doesn't, that doesn't really know what they're doing, they can actually increase those feelings instead of taking them away. And that includes people like counsellors and psychologists too, okay? You can be talking to some of these people and they're going over and over and over and over your stuff, reinforcing it, reinforcing it, making you feel worse, making you feel worse. If you go to somebody who is going to work in this way, make sure they know what they're doing so that when you go into these events, the purpose of going in there is to remove the feeling. In other words, remove that, that, the problem that you've got so that when you think about it from now on, it doesn't have the charge anymore. Mm. So they could actually be, when they're interviewing a potential practitioner to work with, they could be saying, do you have the ability, when you, once we identify a particular feeling I want removed, can you do that? Yeah, basically you just got to say to the person your concerns. Mm. Okay, so I've had people come in to me that have said, look, I don't want to go back there, because I always explain to them that that's what I'm going to do. I, mm. I think it's very unethical to, to say to a person, you're going to hypnotise them, then don't tell them what they're yeah. going to expect, Okay. And a lot of people will do that. They'll come in, they'll get somebody who's been through some horrific trauma, regressed, the next thing they're dropped in the trauma, they're reliving it in their mind, feeling everything. And they'll pop themselves out and they'll go, I don't want to deal with this. Mm. And that just makes it worse. Mm. You just want to talk to the person and say, okay, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? If I go back into this horrible event and you can tell them consciously what the horrible event is, how are you going to make me feel better about it? 
and they should have an answer for you. Mm. If they just say, oh, we just pop you in there and then by you going through it again, you're going to be desensitised. What a load of crap. You're not going to be desensitised. If anything, you'll be resensitised. We want to go into it, not stay in it very long, move out of it, fix, and then go back in without feeling. That's kind of what we're looking at doing. Have you ever gone into future lives, Craig? Yeah, we can do future lives. Uh, whether or the future lives... So to speak. Like yeah, so, so to speak. To me, I'm thinking... Because time doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. To me, I'm thinking the past we can always go to because we know it's happened, even though it's not happening anymore. And our perception of the past is not always accurate. Our memories are not always accurate, okay? Emotional reality, I yeah. think it's called. Yeah, plus also other things have happened and other people have put suggestions in and things get changed. And it's a mish, big mishmash in there. Mm. But we've got to still work with what's in there and what's your perception. It's just whatever's it, in there. Oh, your perception is your own reality, yeah. isn't it? Mm. But the future isn't created yet. Okay, the future's up to you. I mean, you may have an idea of what you can create based on your past and where you are now, but in reality, if you change certain things, the future's also going to change. So, I mean, you, you know, being a psychic, you, know, you can look at the future, but that doesn't necessarily mean, or at least in my opinion, that that's the set future. Never. You can make changes that change the future. There's a lot of paths going forward, and there's only a yeah. few most likely paths according to all the decisions you're currently exactly. making that you're likely so, to. So if somebody says yeah. to you, will I find the man of my dreams or the woman of my dreams or will I make a million dollars in the next two years, at this point in your life, you might see it and go, well, where you are now, no. But if you deal with your past and you change what you're doing now, the future will change as well. Mm -hmm. You know, mm. there's, there's one thing that I would, ha I would hate to be a professional psychic because people put so much pressure on you to predict or tell them what to do when the reality is you can only see what to do at this particular point. And that's want. a lack of self-responsibility on, on the... Like I, yeah, this is another podcast, but yeah. anyway. I, I'm down with this, Craig. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. I embrace the opportunity to release that which is no longer serving me. We want to thank Craig Homenay. Craig Homenay, very, very much. Fascinating. Thank you, Craig. For joining us. That's okay. Anytime. We can do it again if you want one day. Yes, we can, we can see. Hey, I'm oh. going to check in because guess what I'm doing? I'm booking in. <laughs> and then Jay can give some first person Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe we'll record it then. Yeah, yeah we can. Yeah. I'm open. That'd be fascinating. I'm totally open. Oh, live session. Okay, oh, so that's brave, isn't it? If you guys want any further information on Craig or, of course, on anything to do with Jane or I and the Love Life Show, all of our back archives of episodes, etc., etc., just jump on to www.lovelifeshow.com or send us your topic ideas on Facebook. Which is facebook.com forward slash lovelifeshow. So until this time next week, have fun going back and discovering some of your deepest emotional secrets. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening, and it's a beautiful day.